Matt from Diablo Social here. Hope you're all well. Ed's leading this podcast, so I wanted to introduce our guest, Fred Niedu. Fred is a pattern cutter, currently based at Timothy Everest Tailoring in London, between Old Street and Liverpool Street, if you know London. He talks to us about the difference between a pattern cutter and a tailor, films he's been commissioned to design clothes for, why the American market is working for him, and of course, we can't forget the fact he's created a custom onesie. Enjoy. I'm here with Fred Niedu. Fred, so tell us, what do you do? I am a pattern cutter. Um, I suppose most people know it as a tailor, because when you tell someone you're a pattern cutter, they don't know what you do or what the job entails, but I am essentially basically a tailor. Okay, so... The easiest way to put it. Okay, so with um, being... So as a tailor, you're a pattern cutter. That means there's other roles that go into being a tailor, I guess. Yeah, Savile Row is, is quite antiquated in the way it works it has people generally learn from the bottom up so you learn to do trimming which is putting all the pieces that are needed for a suit in a bundle that a cutter has cut so for instance a trimmer would put the buttons the buttonhole twist all of that stuff the lining the internals the horsehair the canvas they would put that in roll it up give it to a tailor it's kind of the first thing you do or the first thing you learn um within that job you are around tailoring and you should hopefully pick stuff up is that how you learn yeah so that's how i started yeah um i went around begging for a job and slowly did that and worked half as a shop boy and half learning to trim and doing that stuff and then you slowly you ideally learn to make so you learn to make waistcoats and trousers and then you slowly learn to make jackets and then you would pick what you want to do as a specialism so if you want to be a trouser maker you could be a trouser maker and learn that fully or anything else and then cutting is another generally another four or five years past that of learning so like um a cutting is a specialism in itself yeah so i mean everything's a specialism a cutter sees the clients a cutter organises all the work, so I take the measurements, I cut the pattern, I cut the cloth, I choose which tailor I want to allocate it to. Certain tailors are better at doing certain things than others. Then I will fit the customer with the suit as a fitting, and then I rip it flat, recut the pattern, then the process starts all over again, okay. and I see the customer again afterwards. So if it's wrong, it's my fault. If it's If there's a problem, I'll get shouted at. If it's great... I get to see the customer happy, you know. You're the main guy then. Yeah, it's a bit of a painful way to put it, but yeah, I suppose you're kind of the the conductor of a very talented orchestra who's okay. who's working. Yeah, everyone works hard. That's a nice way to put it. Um, how long have you been doing this for then? Oh, I always get asked this question. I never know. <laughs> the, the true um, probably around 13 years now probably yeah roughly 13 years maybe 13. a tiny bit more At, um various different places or always the same yeah I, I worked for a very small tailor in the city called alexander boyd which used to uh, own a huge shirt factory called rainer and sturges so i got quite a broad first introduction into how it works and the whole the whole industry from shirt making to tailoring everything and i had a teacher called clive fivian who was 
a military cutter at Geese and Hawks. That's where he learnt. Um, so he gave me a very kind of one-on-one tutoring. Okay, very intense. Track. Yeah, kind of an intense, intense session of learning. Um, and then I, I've stayed there for a while, and then I went to Savile Row and did military cutting for two years. And where were you working on Savile Row? That was a company called Myra Mortimer, and they, in the olden days, companies would buy up other companies or they would team up with other companies to keep themselves going. So Myra Mortimer included Jones, Chalk and Dawson and a few other tailors. And it also rented boards to different cutters and tailors. I was fortunate enough to work with a few kind of old Savile Row legends of Malcolm Plews and Catherine Sargent, who... Is pretty famous in her own right. So, like, as a military tailor, so you didn't do anything like um, that people would see on the high street. You're working primarily with, like, is it British military? It's yeah. It would be predominantly the military knights of Windsor was was their main thing, which are kind of old boys that have left the army, and they're assigned to protect the queen. Although they couldn't technically protect anyone because they're they're very sweet and old. They just look the part in ceremonial days. Hey, let's let's not underestimate what they're capable of. <laughs> um, yeah, and we did that, and then we used to cut normal civilian suits for people that had been in the military or um, their fathers had been in the military, and they came there kind of as a default tailor. There's no real reason why you would choose that tailor over someone else, other than tradition or someone's told you to go there, or, you know, it's not like a fashion place. Tradition seems to play like a big part in this industry, it seems. Right? Yeah, certainly in Savile Row. I mean, it, either a big part in, in the industry or it's, it plays a big part of like your breaking tradition and trying to shock people as a tailor. Okay. It's kind of one or the other. You feel like people that plod along are just kind of left uh, left by the wayside. And how about um, what you do now? I work at Timothy Everest um, as the... It always feels very horrible to say as the head cutter. Um, <laughs> yeah, cause I suppose, yeah, that's in terms of job titles. Yeah, it's a bit, I don't know if you're allowed to swear, but it's a bit wanky. Um, it's kind of like blowing your own trumpet a bit. I don't know, I just never like, I never like that stuff. I never like talking about myself in that sort of sense of I'm in, I'm head or I'm in charge, but just just the role i suppose um that's where i work now it's a fun tailor it's it's cool we do lots of um we do lots of normal suits lots of tra- traditional suits tail coats morning coats overcoats we work lots on film we work we travel a lot me and lee who i work with very closely on the bespoke travel to new york seven to eight times per year so you're based here primarily, but you have like a lot of business from America. Yeah, we travel there to service the clients and bring fittings with us, bring them back, bring finishes over, take new orders. Um, what sort of films have you worked on? Would it be anything I know? Probably, yeah, we, we've worked on a can, lot Can you of mention films. them? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we do the... Me and Lee work on the menswear for The Crown. Okay. On the Netflix show, so we do that. We've done series one, two, and three. That's pretty we, big. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always take it for granted, but yeah, I suppose it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, we through that we've worked with lots of nice costume ladies, who, and it's kind of the business has grown from them. Certainly, we've done um 
all of Ray Fine's clothes for the Bond films. A few of the oh. villains. We've done lots of the Bond stuff apart from Daniel Craig. That's made by Tom Ford. Okay. Um, what else? Lots of films I probably shouldn't mention as well, like Mamma Mia, stuff like that. Why shouldn't is, you mention that? <laughs> it's just well, not on the, brand. The street creds out the window, isn't it? <laughs> Hey, um, like, it was a big film, you know. <laughs> Might bring you a different type of clientele. Yeah, right? a lot of flares and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think. There's there's lots of films. It, it makes up a huge part of our business. Okay. Yeah, we kind of more and more rely on film and America. Okay. Just because the UK is... Yeah, I mean, the way things are at the moment, people are not dropping the money that... I see. You would drop on a bespoke suit, or certainly not enough multiples to keep a business going. Brexit's affecting business then, essentially. Yeah, it's it's probably, I mean, the exchange rate and stuff like that has been great in America, so our business is booming there. Yeah, the UK is slightly affected, I'd say, certainly. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like, I suppose, like, seeing how you worked on a lot of films, and can I ask, what's the craziest thing you've had to make? We've recently made some tailcoats, which is a very old-fashioned kind of dress garment. So it'd be like white white tie. Um, we've made them huge to fit massive wetsuits and fat suits underneath. Um, we have made all sorts of things. We've made bespoke kimonos, bespoke a bespoke onesie. Bespoke onesie. <laughs> yeah. Like, was it? Who asked for that? Was it um, Daniel Craig? It wasn't Daniel Craig, no. Um, I can't even think who it was. Even if I could remember who it was, I probably wouldn't say on this. I'd feel bad. What was the onesie shaped to look like? Was it like a Teletubby or something? So the onesie was, it was basically a copy of a Levi's Type 1 jacket on top, and then it had trousers built into the bottom and some buttons and a few zips. And it was, yeah. There's something someone might wear out, but they just wanted it all in one, essentially. It what I can't remember what it is actually for. My, my blind, my mind is blank. Um, it was probably for some sort of show, for a fashion show or something like that. Okay. Uh, when you said onesie, I was kind of thinking someone being just casual. No, it wasn't. It room. wasn't like a telly. It was more involved. Yeah. T- technically, it was quite quite an achievement. Visually, it was it was maybe something else. Yeah, I'd like to see some pictures if you have that. <laughs> One day, yeah. Like, okay, what are you currently up to then? Like, um, I suppose, like, I suppose you work at Timothy Everest. Are you doing anything outside of that? Um, I work on a brand with my friend Via Rhodes, who is a very, very talented weaver. She weaves from natural silks and natural wools and linens. Um, she weaves on a hand loom at home. So she weaves one-off narrow lengths of cloth. We make kind of a very utilitarian, simple unisex garment, whether it's, you know, whether it's a kind of a take on a chalk coat or a blazer, or we recently did a really old-fashioned Irish milking smock, which can be worn front and back ways. An Irish milking smock? Yeah, you left to look it up. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not going to begin to describe it. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of a labour of love. It's everything's hand sewn. It's woven by her. It's cut by me and made by me. Um, yeah, it's it's just a nice thing to do. It's never going to make us rich. The the garments, I mean, even before I've touched it, you're in a few grand with just what Via's done. So um, yeah, realistically, we're not expecting people to really buy them, but 
they've gone down really well and people love them and, and a few people have wanted them but the smock in particular I assume. yeah actually yeah because she wears it and yeah hey, i'm not joking yeah i, I can see that i can see that <laughs> even though i can't see it i can see it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's in your mind it's in my mind <laughs> i suppose you had another um brand as well didn't you or you had another like a- yeah we ha- i had worked on a brand it was my friend tom lewis's brand and brand called utel um so it was tom lewis and jude afray and i joined a little bit later so I, I i did it first off with tom i went away jude took over and then yeah it's a long story but but that was great and we made some nice garments. They were factory-made garments. They sold. They were very simple, kind of early, early album day type garments, kind of like a Margaret Howe look. Um, they sold out. We paid back the money we'd borrowed to do those garments, and then we were kind of back to square one, and that was it. So it was kind of like a, an experiment. But, yeah, in hindsight, we should have kept or taken more money to do it. I really built it up. How how easy or how hard is it to I suppose go from like starting from scratch essentially to to something that could be like a label? It's, I think people assume it's a lot easier than what it is. It, it takes a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of investment. Yeah, time and money. Um, a, a good idea. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of the ideas out there are just useless, and it's. Yeah, I, I sometimes I get people approach me saying, "Can you cut patterns for my brand?" And I feel bad to tell them that this is just not going to work. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You kind of shattering people's dreams, but yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah, other than this, is think twice before you invest your money into it and really do your research because it's there's a lot of brands out there and a lot of brands with a lot of money behind them that are probably doing something similar to what you might want to do in your head. So yeah, just, just think twice before you waste your money. Not to shatter anyone's dreams, but you know, do you do your due diligence? Kind of. Yeah, basically. Let me try that again. Do your due diligence before you. Yeah. Yeah. What are your future plans then? My future plans. Um, I'm fairly happy as I am at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. No plans to like start another like label like oh, Fred do tailoring or something like that. No, I mean the the brand Telliers with Via is is great and that kind of keeps me busy at home. Um yeah, there's there's yeah, I'm fairly happy doing that and and work kind of I'm create it's fairly creative everything that I'm doing at the moment so it's nice. Nothing's painful. Filling out my expenses form is, is probably a bit painful, but my boss Lee does a bit of that for me. So, yeah, I'm pretty useless with, as you know, emails, responding to things, doing all that sort of stuff. So You are a bit of a Luddite, that's a bit that's yeah. really true. <laughs> hey, but uh, it's, it's still cool. It's still cool, Fred. It's still cool. <laughs> all right, well, th- yeah, thanks, Fred. Like, um, it's, not, it's not very often you meet someone who's very satisfied in their, in their line of work, but you are that person, Fred. Yeah, well, thank you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> thanks. To be the first satisfied person on your podcast. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Where could people find you if they want to see more of your work? They are more than welcome to come and say hello or see what I do at Timothy Everest on Redshirt Street or my Instagram, which is just Fred Niedu, N-I-E-D-D-U. Or if you wanted to see some of Via's work, 
or some of Artelia's work, it's on her Instagram, which is via underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, and via is V-I-J-A. Okay, cool. Thanks, Fred. Thank you very much. Thank you, Fred, and thanks for listening to the Diablo Social Podcast. Please check out Fred's Instagram, and if you have any comments, you want to like, share, all that goodness, please do. You can find out more about what we do at Diablo Social at diablosocial.com. Until the next time.